Live from Seville, this is The Twilight Show with Harry Waters and you are listening live. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, whatever time it is, wherever you may be, whenever you may be listening. I am Harry Waters and this is indeed The Twilight Show. Um, And it's not even twilight anymore, it's full on dark. Um, And yeah, hello everybody and welcome. It's it's dark here now, it's no longer twilight. Uh, My guest has arrived. Um, but I'm going to put her on mute and I'm going to remind her that she will need to unmute herself when we return from the news. But, uh, you know, I'll remind her when I have to, although she probably heard that already. Anyway, I'm back. I wasn't here last week and I won't be here next week um, because why won't you be here next week, Harry? Great question, everybody. Uh, next week, I will be attending an award ceremony. Um, and in two weeks' time, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how I feel about the award ceremony. But until that has happened, I will uh, I'll keep my opinions to myself, which is something I'm so good at doing. Uh, but other than that, it's been a couple of weeks and I've been absolutely slammed with work. Um, and I can't wait to speak to my guest today because I've also been delving into the primary ELT classroom with some super fun bits and bobs and and i i want some more help you know i've been a teacher for a while but i've got somebody here who's who's going to help me um i'm not going to refer to her as a guru because uh she's told me not to and i know she has been in the past but i do know she's really good at what she does so i can't wait to hear um from my guest today other than that this this week and last week's been a bit mad Last week was mad because I was trying to stay on top of some CPD. Uh, This week is mad because I've decided I can't stay on top of it and do work and have a family uh, and all of those different things at the same time. So, So that's on pause for now. But work is not on pause and work is going absolutely mental. It's going, it's, it's absolutely off the hook. There's so much to do which is brilliant. It's absolutely great uh, and wonderful. And I'm not sure if there are any other freelancers out there listening who, you know, those moments when you are working uh, quite a lot. And and it's, it's really exciting because you know that in a month or so's time, you're, you're going to have enough money to eat, which is, which is always nice. Um, it's always fun to eat. But yeah, it, it's good to, to have work, but it's, it's a lot of work to be doing. And, and one of the things I'm doing working with a previous guest, Suji the Hutt. Uh, it's something I really, really love, uh, but it's something I've never done before. And it's it's planning some some really cool interactive classes to go with with some adventures. And, and it's very much, you know, still under wraps, but it's super exciting. Uh, and I, I really, really do enjoy it, but it's so taxing and it takes so long because, you know, you want to get it just right. So, so that's been taken out of me. I'm also working on a, a training course, uh, which is, of course, training courses always take a lot of out, out of you. Um, but I am onto my last four PowerPoints with that, and I still have two and a half days to go. So uh, not doing too badly at all. Um, other than that, cracking on with classes. It was gr- a great one today because Spain were playing football. Uh, and we had planned in our class to give 
give the students time to do some some commentary moments with the match. And they were like, yeah, it's a great idea. It's brilliant. Love that idea. But turned out when they got to the class, none of them actually cared about football. Uh, didn't really want to watch the football. And we're just like, oh, no, can we do about food instead? Uh, so uh, instead of talking about their the countries that they had selected uh, football teams because they didn't care at all, they talked about the food from that country. So that was fun. That was different. Um, but we did have to announce that Fiji hadn't quite made it to the World Cup. Uh, but never mind. I could still talk about Fiji anyway. So it was something that was a little bit different and a, a little bit of fun. So I am going to shoot off for just a moment for the news, but I will be back very soon with my very special guest. My oof, One of my ELT besties, without a doubt. What, one of the people I've known for the longest. Somebody who knew me when I had hair, um, which wasn't actually that long ago. Uh, he says it was... June the 24th, 2021. Not that I'm counting or anything. Um, but yeah, I am super excited to to have uh, Michelle Wargan on coming up very soon. It's somebody I've been trying to persuade to come on for a while. So uh, she has been persuaded. She has also been a guest on, on Jane's show, but she will be here very soon. And we will be talking um, about real learning in a primary ELT classroom. But that will be very shortly uh, when I will join you uh, after the news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. With the World Cup due to begin, TES magazine reveals why some schools won't be screening games during school time. The competition held in Qatar is the subject of much concern from some school leaders worried about the ethics of showing games held in a country with a poor record when it comes to human rights. England play one game against Iran during school hours, but whilst many school leaders have chosen to show significant games in the past, some are choosing not to do so this time. FIFA's choice to host the tournament in Qatar has been controversial from the outset because of the country's laws on homosexuality and its treatment of migrant workers. 
Some heads have said that showing the game would be at odds with lessons on diversity and equality. Not all leaders share the same view, and some schools will show the game, but will have what is described as age-appropriate discussions about the ethics of the tournament alongside. Decisions of this nature are always left to individual school leaders, and as debate about the tournament continues, the only real certainty is that this World Cup will be remembered for its controversial hosts, if nothing else. The last week has seen many schools participate in activities to mark Anti-Bullying Week. To further acknowledge the impact bullying can have on young people and their families, the Government's Education Hub has published an article laying out what they're doing to help combat bullying in education. This support has largely been in the form of government grants to fund projects and organisations who do important anti-bullying work. This has included further funding for the Diana Award, a recognised anti-bullying programme, the Anti-Bullying Alliance, a new programme to prevent and tackle bullying through quality RSHE education, the Anne Frank Trust, to continue the different but the same project, diversity role models, developing intervention materials for schools and equality to support multi-academy trusts or local authorities to create change. Full details of all the projects and the funding can be found on the .gov.uk website, as well as in the Preventing and Tackling Bullying Guidance. The Scottish Government will launch an online national discussion on Scottish education the week beginning the 21st of November. Children, young people, parents, carers and teachers are being encouraged to take part by registering for events. Those who register will be able to talk directly to the independent facilitators, Professor Alma Harris and Professor Carol Campbell. The discussion was first launched in September, but in order to ensure as full a discussion as possible, the online events have also been launched. So far, the discussion has received 3,500 responses and feedback will be open until the 5th of December. The Schools and Academy Show 2022 saw the Chair of Ofqual, Ian Buckham, discuss plans for exams and grading for 2023, as well as considering the future of exams, assessment and the use of technology. In his speech, he made it clear that exams and other formal assessments that are like exams give students the fairest chance to show what they know and what they can do. He cited feedback from students, parents and teachers, which he said was overwhelmingly positive particularly about the return to normal exams in 2022 after the difficulties of the pandemic. Whilst exams in 2023 will see a return to pre-pandemic grading, safeguards will be put in place to ensure no pupil is disadvantaged. This will be the same as those put in place for the 2017 series when pupils sat the reformed GCSE and A-level qualifications for the first time. He went on to speak about the impact of digital tech and described it as when, not if, there would be a greater use of it in high-stakes exams. He did, however, acknowledge that a move to greater digital assessment can only come about through joint working across a range of partners and stakeholders, so as not to experiment with young people's futures. A full transcript of the speech can be found on the DfE website. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. 
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at smartwatches. For those of you that don't know what a smartwatch is, it's basically a watch that has the ability to connect to your phone, enhancing the experience of the owner's smartphone by delivering notifications and controls via an interface, which shows more discreetly and allows the user to decide whether they need to get their phone out or not. This is a real bonus for teachers, as a lot of schools have no phones policies, making it difficult to be contacted during the day. Some smartwatches also can stand alone without the need for a short-range phone connection as they've got built-in cellular or Wi-Fi capability, extending the range of connection, allowing the phone to be left at home. Although this can be useful, you need to bear in mind that there are additional costs for this and answering calls makes you look like you're on an episode of Star Trek talking to your wrist unless you have headphones and replying to texts can be tricky using the watch interface. That being said, one of the most powerful features of smartwatches is the ability to use contactless payment with them real time saver and also peace of mind. A downside of contactless payment using smart devices is some payment machines, in particular parking meters, only accept cards. This needs to be kept in mind when traveling around. So what is the best? Well, that depends on the phone you currently have. It isn't really about the best, it's about compatibility. If you want an Apple Watch, you need to have an Apple phone. Android allows more options and also can be considerably cheaper. You need to ask yourself a few questions to decide what's best for you. Here are the questions I'd ask when considering a smartwatch. What do I want it for? If it's to see notifications from a phone, could an activity tracker be what I'm after? Compatible with all mobile phone platforms, there is a reduced control interface, but for around £50, alongside tracking your activity, you can see notifications without the need to get your phone out. What is the battery life like? Will it last until you get home to charge it? What's the display like? Will you be able to see it at a glance? What if you get messaged while points get a pupil's work? Will they see it? Can notifications be adjusted so you are not accidentally sharing? Is it noisy? Can you silence it? Can you switch it to vibrate? And finally, some phone contracts allow you to add on extra devices. Will it be cheaper to do it that way or to buy it outright? As always, I'd love to hear your favourite teaching tech. Do you wear a smartwatch? Let us know at TTR 2022. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us there. Um, I've got a couple of points that I'm going to go over very shortly. Um, But first, I'd like to go over those points with uh, my guest. So I would like to welcome to the stage, to the studio, um, Michelle Worgan, a very good friend of mine. Um, so if you would kindly unmute yourself and make yourself heard, that would be wonderful. I can see her looking for the unmute button because if I unmute you, uh, it won't work and everybody will only be able to hear me. Um, although I could try that, I guess, but while she's looking for the unmute button, which I think is right on her face thing. There you go. You found it. I've got it. And it, it wasn't on my face thing. No, it wasn't on your face on thing. The wrong things, but I'm. I've oh, got okay. It, it it wasn't stuck on your watch, was it? You're on your no, smartwatch. It wasn't. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to go into smartwatches right now. Um, I don't think we have the time, and I certainly don't have the energy. Michelle, welcome. Thank you very much. Um, I didn't really give you a massive introduction because I was wondering if you'd like to introduce yourself. <laughs> Uh, yes, I can do that. So uh, I'm Michelle Worgan and I'm currently a materials writer, uh, but I taught for more than 20 years. 
uh, which makes me sound really old. Uh, I guess I am. She's not um, old. She's not <laughs> old, everybody. She's not old. Um, so, I don't know. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about my TEFL story? Or... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your TEFL story. Okay. I'd love to hear a bit about your TEFL story. It's it's not that exciting, to be honest. I um, Add I started... some sharks in there, then it'll become more sharks. exciting. Uh, no sharks. Um, I started uh, teaching in 1999 and um, it was pretty much my first job out of university. Um, I studied languages at university and so uh, as soon as I finished my degree I came to Spain and uh, got a job as, uh, as many of us did. And I know you've, you've spoken to people on this uh, show before about um, those um, terrible advantages that some of us had as native speakers. And uh, I, I benefited from that as well. Um, so I, I, yeah, I started out teaching all levels, all age groups in a language school, like many people. And then over the years, I specialized in primary. Um, I, I worked in a school up until actually up until 2019. Uh, but the, for the few years before that, I was also writing materials for publishers. So I was working on different components of different primary courses. Um, and in 2019, I decided to go fully freelance, full-time writing. Um, and that's what I've been doing since then. Well, there you go. Um, and you've, you've written for some very large uh, publishers, haven't you? Uh, some... I have written for some of the bigger ones and some smaller ones too. Fantastic. Now, I'm going to go back to something I heard on the news. Um, and it's about the World Cup. I mentioned briefly before about the World Cup. I'm going to be honest, I don't really care very much about the World Cup, um, mostly because it's not on terrestrial TV here in Spain. So I can't just binge watch football I don't care about like I used to. Um, what that is really annoying me at the moment is it is absolutely wrong that it's being held in Qatar. It's absolutely wrong. However, I believe it's absolutely wrong more for the fact it was bought and sent there through like obvious corruption, other than the fact I think it's horrible, the 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 abuse of human rights and so on and so forth. But nobody said anything about Russia when it was held in Russia, who also bought the World Cup, who also have terrible LGBTQI plus um, opinions uh, and who also have terrible human rights. Had this been the World Cup in Russia now and the previous one had been in Qatar, there would be some very starkly different opinions. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to make you comment on that because I don't think, you know, I don't want to drag you into my uh, my rant. But, yeah, I, I just thought I'd say that publicly because I don't think it's right that it's in Qatar, but it's more for the fact that it was corruptly bought through like just like most things probably are so yeah sorry about that what how do you feel about the world cup anyway have you well, watched I, any of it yeah i i haven't watched any of it i've seen you know a few of those um highlights of goals and things that have been on uh but i feel the same and i i've i'm finding it very hard to um just to to get to have any kind of enthusiasm for this World Cup because of the reasons that you mentioned. And normally I'm a big football fan and I love watching football and I love the World Cup, uh, but I'm just not, 
into it this year. Not feeling it. And Spain won seven nil today as well. Was it seven? I I, I seven. had it. <laughs> I did it. I, I I could hear because my next door neighbours have a twelve year old son, and I heard every single goal. <laughs> I heard penalty, <laughs> so it was quite easy to follow. But um, yeah, well, I, I I as I said, I had planned to watch it with my class, but in the end, they decided they weren't interested in watching the football, um, which was. I great. was going to comment on that actually because you when when you mentioned that because that's actually. Uh, kind of very similar to what I advocate in teaching is to follow the students' interests and to let them kind of lead the way and and to teach them what they need to know, what they want to know. And I'll be talking about that probably a bit later on. But that is a perfect example. Did I do a good job? <laughs> well, I'm not the one to say whether you did a good job. But did that. I do the right thing, but, but in you, your opinion? You didn't force them to 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 do a lesson or to sit in a lesson that they weren't interested in you went with the flow and you let them you had that flexibility to let them uh do something else so that's now, i think for me that's always positive excellent yes i passed um, i passed my exam um sorry i'm in spain so i've suddenly become obsessed with exams uh, it's funny though because um we are going to talk about this now actually about um primary schools and so on and so forth now there was a meeting at my daughter's school there have been two this year there was one yesterday that i didn't actually go to because the last one made me so angry and i was uh held down basically by my wife because it was the start of the year and you know i'm not the person who has to go to class so i shouldn't i wasn't allowed to say how I felt about what the teacher was saying. But anyway, um, all of the whole year group, the entire fourth grade year group, the three teachers in the year group called in the parents to come in for a meeting across the board to say that students weren't paying enough attention in class and um, they weren't studying enough at home. And if they didn't start doing it now, then life wouldn't get any easier for them. And you know, my reaction as a teacher was instantly, you know, well, if they're not paying attention in class, it's because it's not interesting. Um, and I know that of these students, I teach, okay, there are 60 students in my daughter's year at school. And in, in the classes that we teach, we have five of them, you know, almost 10% of the, of the entire year group. And they... The students who, who went through the lockdown, the COVID lockdown, do have a different attention span to other students I've taught in the past. I'm not going to lie. Um, can we blame it on TikTok and YouTube? Probably. Um, can we blame it on the parents? Almost certainly. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what I see in my students is when they lack attention span is when they're not interested in what we're doing. So if they have a day that's got an hour of Spanish language, an hour of maths, an hour of English, an hour of science and nothing fun, then they're going to not concentrate and be bored. What do you reckon? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I picked up on your use of fun here and also in the intro. Uh, you were talking about uh, teaching primary and fun. And actually, uh, fun isn't necessarily, for me, one of the key ingredients. Ooh. I don't think that 
there has to be fun and games, or at least, you know, I mean, I mean, fun as in, you know, students being engaged, yes. But fun and games is really what a lot of young learner teachers think that teaching is, especially in TEFL, no, in, in, in our uh, job of just teaching English, especially if you're teaching it in a private language school or with private classes rather than in mainstream education. So a lot of teachers think that young learner teaching is about playing games. Mm -hmm. and of course, children love games. <laughs> And adults. Obviously, love adults. adults I'm sure absolutely you love games. Love games. Oh, I love games. But actually, a lot of what we call games aren't really games, mm -hmm. especially in the very young learner classroom. A lot of the things we call games are pretty much drilling activities disguised as games. Yeah. Uh, they're not real games and it's not real play. Um, so if you think about if you leave children to their own devices and what do they do, you know, normally they'll, they'll find something to play with in whatever way, whatever it is they have to hand. Well, hopefully, assuming that they're not glued to a screen <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> or TikTok, but um, what, what children do when we leave them alone is play and it's it's real play there's different types of play there's pretend play there's social play with other children uh there are games with rules that the children invent themselves uh which can often change within the game yeah uh, i say this from experience as well playing with my uh nephew who invented a car game once and um uh, the rules kept changing so that he could always win um but Clever. um <laughs> yeah. sounds like he's going to be a politician <laughs> well, I think that's just, it's a natural stage I think children go through. But um, then there's inquiry play where children are exploring something, experimenting with things. And we can bring all these types of play into the classroom. Um, and I think they're much more valuable than a flashcard game or a game of pelmanism. Mm -hmm. I mean, card games can have their uses as well. Yeah, of course. But there are lots of other types of play. So uh, when we, if you want to focus, if you want to you know, play games in your classroom, it's really important to think about why you're playing those games. Is it just to review vocabulary? Maybe. Okay, that might be fine as yeah. long as it's enjoyable as well and they're learning something. But do we need to spend five minutes guessing a single word? in a game of hangman i don't think they call it hangman anymore it's probably not uh i call it i call it shark drop shark game or whatever you want to call it um I've, I've, uh, i haven't played shark drop for a long time shark drop yeah <laughs> well because is it is it do you think it's a good use of time oh no it's, it's an awful use of time it's a great way to waste five minutes at the end of class if you're waiting for the parents to come like more than anything like it's not it's absolutely not a good use of time. It's it's, it's not, not even, even fun, is it? Though no, really? and it's not even good for spelling either because the only person that's doing the spelling is the person who puts it on the board because the others are kind of guessing letter by letter. So they're Random not even letters, thinking exactly. They're not even thinking which ones are coming up or strategically, which it ends up being a strategic game where you know they work out which are the most common letters and yeah. So it should be, but usually they end up just going P. Cute. It's like, what about the vowels, guys? What about the vowels? They're, you know, let's start with vowels at least. Oh, it's been so, a while. So, you know, these kind of games, so they still play them, but lots of children still play them in classrooms around the world. I don't think many children would play them by themselves. 
um, unless they're really bored and have the only thing they've got is a piece of paper and a pencil. Or and they're playing they schools. Draw a picture. Yeah, yes, exactly. And they're like, Which, this is what we have to do in school, so let's yeah. pretend to play schools by playing this game. Yeah. Well, have you seen children playing at school, playing at oh, being teacher? The kind I, I of things that they have. do. Yeah. It's very representative of um, what happens, what, 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 I guess part of what happens in their classrooms. And it's all based on a very teacher-centered approach. Uh, it's explaining things, it's writing things on the board and having students copy them and asking <sighs> questions that are nominated, etc. So, um, yeah. So going back to, to what I was saying about fun, I don't want to appear like some kind of spoil sport, like a party pooper. No, no games in the classroom. No, I just think that we, uh, we underestimate what our learners are capable of, mm-hmm. um, cognitively, especially not necessarily with the language, um, and they can do more challenging activities and more challenging games and those basic flashcard games and things like that, as long as we gauge the language at the right level. So fun, yes, okay, not essential. Engagement is what's essential. And that's what the teacher, your your daughter's teacher is not getting. Um, something is not, whatever they're doing, it's not, it's either not the right approach or they're not, I don't want to say making the material interesting. Well, they don't make the material interesting because it's a list of sums. A list of sums is not interesting for anybody. There's no way of making that interesting unless, I don't know, you turn it into a classroom game. So at least it is mildly enjoyable, uh, you know, mildly engaging. And there's some movement involved. But no, it's just literally a list of sums. Go and do 20 multiplications. She's nine. Yeah, 20 I mean, long multiplications. I think we, we've spoken before about, you know, the the education system here in Spain and in many countries, actually, and how, you know, it could be improved. But, um, but yeah, I'm not a math teacher. I don't know how you would teach maths. Um, is it just about doing a list of sums? Probably not. Uh, those sums could probably be set for her work as well. I'm sure there's other ways of presenting those mathematical concepts in a more engaging way. I think this is where, like, as ELT teachers, um, particularly with primary learners, we, we do have this kind of bonus, I guess, that, that we're not in the education system. We are something that's, you know, extracurricular, nearly said it in Spanish then, um, we are something that is a bit extra. So, uh, the customers, the parents are the ones they want to see that their kids are enjoying themselves. You know, they, most parents don't expect their kid to go home, you know, at the age of, let's say from five till 10 to go home and be able to converse in English. You know, they expect them to maybe have a few words. What they want is for them to not say, I don't want to go to English class. So this is where we've got this kind of, I don't know, a shoe in over a lot of other um, subjects, I guess, that, you know, if we can make it enjoyable and engaging, then we're already winning. Yeah, I mean, there's so, but there's so many factors involved in making a lesson 
or, or the classroom experience engaging. It's not just about what you teach and how you're teaching it. There's so many other things involved. I mean, I, I, I think I was thinking back to when I was at school, when I was in primary school, and that was in the uh, 80s. And um, I have a few memories, but before I tell you what I remember, I, I just wondered if you have any memories from primary school. Oh, I do. I've got a few. Um, I was the tuck shop monitor. So from I was the youngest ever tuck shop monitor, actually, from year two to year four. Uh, so, you know, I year was two. Wow. Year two. I started being the tuck shop monitor, me and Elliot Holmes. And we kept that job through to year four. We had to go in 15 minutes early and we do a break time as well. That was pretty good for my maths. I think that's about as far as I got. Exactly. I was just about to say that. Isn't that a better way of learning uh, arithmetic? Oh, it was, it was brilliant. It was so good. Um, so, yeah, I remember that every day going in. I really have a really vivid memory of uh, 1993 going in. Um, uh, well, 1992 and 93, but 93 going in. And Elliot Holmes is an Arsenal fan as well. And we celebrated that, uh, that Arsenal had, had won the League Cup. Um, when Steve Morrow fell and broke his arm. Um, other memories, yeah, some, I had some wonderful lessons with Miss Darby, who I definitely wasn't completely in love with. Um, I absolutely was completely in love with Miss Darby. If you're listening, Miss Darby, yeah, I definitely was. Um, <laughs> uh, other things about primary school, yeah, I remember making a boat. That was really fun. Uh, I had to see if I could make something float. That was great. I also remember the library because I loved reading uh, and I have a very strong memory of when I was about eight being told that I had the reading age of a 17.2 year old. I was like, <laughs> how do you wow. like 17.2? Like that's very, so I have this oddly specific memory of that. Um, and then there was one other day where we were drawing maps. And I, I remember sitting there, I was bored out of my brain because I love maps and I love flags, but it was a really boring activity that we were doing. And we had to colour around the map of the British Isles, but just like with about two millimetres of blue around it. And I remember sitting there behind Sean Diggin and I said to myself in that very moment, I'm going to remember this day for the rest of my life. And I've not forgotten it, probably because I said that to myself, it was so dull just sitting there colouring a map. I, I love maps and that was boring. So there's a few of my of my memories. Um, yeah, okay. fancy dress days were good as well. They were fancy fun. dress days, non-uniform yeah. days. Oh no, uh, we had non-uniform days. We, we also had non-uniform. Yeah, we had mufti days, we called them. But no, we also had fancy dress days where I remember one day, we also had a pyjama day where everyone could go in, in their pyjamas. Oh, I remember when I was allowed to look after the school rabbit. That was brilliant. That was fun. And we also had a, some, they brought a turtle into the school um, and I was asked to guard it at, at lunchtime. I remember the last assembly when Miss Spencer cried when I was leaving because I was it was the end of an era, my, the Waters family era. So, yeah, lots of memories. So what I'm I'm getting from you there is well a lot of these ex lots of these things are not related so much to the lessons themselves. There there are other things. They're special days. Uh, there are th 
to do with relationships with other people as well, your teacher, things like that. Yeah. Oh, um, Diwali was always good. And Chinese New Year. Brilliant. Sorry. I just brought back memories of military road school there. They're, they're <laughs> going to come flooding back. But yeah, when you mentioned the special events, the we had an incredibly multicultural school. Um, there was It was after the floods in Bangladesh in 91. There was a huge influx of, of Bangladeshi students. So we learned head, shoulders, knees and toes in Bengali, which I still know. And we learned a crow scaring song called Umalanga, I think it was called. Um, and yeah, like, I can still remember the dance to it. Because yeah, these aren't, like you say, they're not, they're, none of them were lessons. But they could have been lessons. So they could have been part of lessons. Some of these things could have been part of lessons. So you yeah. could have had lessons where you learned about those, you learned that song or, and things like that. I mean, I, you also, you also mentioned making a model, I think. And that's one of my memories from primary school is making a slug out of mm -hmm. clay, but there was a real slug in the middle of the table. Oh, so the wow. teacher put a real slug in the middle of the table and we had to make one out of clay. I remember that because there was a slug on the table, a big, fat, juicy slug. And I remember how the air hole kind of opened and closed, like how, this house slugs breathe through the, I don't know what it's called. It's got a proper name. Uh, they have a hole which, which they breathe through. You know? And I remember mm -hmm. that. I remember, I can visualize it. Um, I also remember obviously things like getting told off, although that never happened to me, of course. Uh, <laughs> Other people getting told it, off. Well, actually it did once uh, and it was a horrible experience. Um, <laughs> um, I remember playing with certain toys in nursery, for example, even nursery, you're three or yeah. four years old. And I remember specific things like a matryoshka doll or playing with the sand and the water. Uh, um, and I remember from a bit, I was a bit older, probably in fourth, fifth grade. Uh, so about 10, maybe nine or 10, uh, the teacher reading to us and she read the book, a book called the Iron Man, mm -hmm. which is actually a Ted Hughes novel. It's not, it's nothing to do with the Marvel comic. Not Iron films. Man. It's not, <laughs> No, it's not Iron Man. It's it's not the Tony Iron Stark. Man. It's yeah. the Iron Man, and I remember that. I can even remember like the cover of the book, and we just sat there in the class, I think maybe with our heads on the desk, listening to the teacher read the story, and I re I just remember the whole experience, and I also remember the smell of paint, that school paint yeah. in art lessons. I remember the smell of the canteen especially on the days when we had cheese pie, which was very smelly. Um, I, but what I don't remember is textbooks. In fact, I don't think we had any, but I don't remember much in the way of facts. So even if I did learn facts or memorize things, I don't think we did that much of it then. Um, even if I did, I don't remember them now. I remember being told off for not remembering the six times table I remembered all the rest of them but I couldn't remember the six but you also brought back a memory from from nursery for me when I was with my friend Brett who's still a good friend of mine um and we were playing with cowboys and Indians um but we were both of uh left-wing families and we were arguing over who could be the Indians um who you know 
at the time we weren't aware that they were called Native Americans because we were three, but we were fighting because we both wanted to be the good guys, um, not the bad guys, you know, and other people couldn't seem to to fathom why neither of us wanted to be the Indians, but because we'd been told, obviously, that, that the Native Americans were, were the good guys and the cowboys were the bad guys, and that's what had stuck with us. So I can also remember that situation. Yeah. All, all of these things, all of the things that I remember and the things that you remember as well are related to two things, I think. And uh, one is emotions and sensations and experiences in general. And mm -hmm. the other, uh, oh, and relationships as well. So the other one's relationships. These things for me are really important in the primary classroom, all of these things, whatever subject you're teaching whether you're teaching maths or English or science or music or whatever. And so when I, when I think about these things, I start to think about our reasons for teaching English and why we do what we do and why are our students learning English and, or any other language and how does that affect the way we teach it? So you were talking before about your daughter doing lots of sums because they have to learn how to do sums. Then there's, lots of subjects where at least here in spain the kids have to learn just a load of facts yeah memorize a lot of information but a language isn't a collection of facts or knowledge it's something that we use to communicate with other people it's something that enables us to learn facts <laughs> or uh, to express our ideas our opinions about things to formulate these opinions in our minds probably our own language, but also another language uh, later on if you if you reach a certain proficiency. So it's about being able to share these things, all of these things with other people. However, quite often it's treated as, you know, memorizing lists. Like that's one of the things that always really upset me when I was teaching in a secondary school that, you know, there were students who were preparing to do the C2 proficiency exam. And and they were still doing irregular verbs tests and they were still learning lists of phrasal verbs. And I was just like, you don't need to do this. Like, well, I do because I need to do it to get the grade in school because we, so they just learn lists and lists of verbs, which I'd like to know how in any way, shape or form that's useful because it hasn't helped me learn Spanish and, and I've not learned any verbs or conjugations of verbs, but, I've got a C1, I've officially got a C1 level of Spanish. So, which for anyone who doesn't know the Common European Framework, that is an advanced level of Spanish. I, I imagine Michelle's probably got a C2, so. Uh. I have never done a, an exam, well, since university, but um, yeah, no. But I think it's a bit different when you live in a country. It absolutely is very different. And you're immersed in it 100%. Yeah. Um, so it's not as easy to pick up um verb forms and things like that if you've only got two hours of english a week exactly. so you know there does i think there does need to be some kind of direct instruction there has to be probably some kind of memorization but it doesn't have to just be lists of words it's about practicing it's about using those words and i think you know for me approaches which focus on 
ideas and content and on topics rather than on the language itself are the ones that work. So those that are relevant to the students' lives. So talking about engage engagement earlier, if something's relevant to the children's lives, they're more, they're going to be more interested in it. They're going to need to use language. So if we can provide opportunities for the children to communicate their ideas about things, to find out things that they want to know um, about the real world, because this 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 interview was titled "Real." I can't remember now. Real the importance real of life? real life learning. Keeping it go. real. The importance of real life learning. What is real life learning? Uh, it, well, it could be anything, but um, a lot of what we do in the ELT classroom is very artificial and contrived. And I think we need to connect it as much as possible to the real world. And I'm sure you'll agree with this uh, with your when you teach sustainability in your lessons, that's real world. Content. It absolutely is. And what you said about um, being relevant, it's so, so important. It's, it's one of the things when I talk about, you know, engage, which is like the, fir the first stage of getting your students involved is to engage them. It has to be relevant. So something going on around them or something that they're connected to and not simply by putting their name in an example on the board, which, yes, it, I'm not going to say it's not a good way of grabbing their attention because it is. But I remember when I was learning about, you know, how to get students you know, involved, that, that personalization was a huge thing that I was told to do. Like, you know, you need to make sure that they, okay, well, um, it, it does help when you're doing examples straight up on the board and you do need to do these examples to, to show certain language, but that's not what makes something relevant to somebody just having their name used on the board. It's, no, that, it's, that's superficial engagement, isn't yeah. it? Because it's just about getting their attention. If you if their name is an example, they go, oh, I'm in that sentence. That sentence is about me. And they might pay attention, which is what your daughter's teacher is wanting, uh, is complaining about. but um but yeah uh it's that's not going to last long and it's just it's basically not enough um so how so can yeah. we get this real life learning into the classroom then because you know we've all got our well we don't actually have a course book because we, we invented our own um but not everybody has that kind of freedom nobody has the freedom that my, my wife and i have with our volunteer classes so how can we get this real life learning in what's the best way to do it like the way i i've always tried to involve my students in, in my classes is to ask them and to listen to them to ask them what they're interested in and what they like doing so other than that like what other things can i do to to bring it into the classroom this real life stuff so that's it. That's important as, as a starting point is to find out what your students are interested in, get to know them. Obviously, that's one of the first things. But of course, you have a normally you'll have a curriculum and you'll have certain uh, learning objectives that you need to to cover throughout the year or that term or whatever. And so it's not as simple as just, you know, focusing on what the students want. Uh, but what you can do is to to bring the outside world a little bit into the classroom and you can so it's not just uh, sitting at desks, it's not just 
you know, um, doing role plays where they have a dialogue that they have to use. And it's about make, making things more personalized, but not by you. Okay. <laughs> so what you were saying before as well. So for example, with a role play, um, instead of, uh, role plays can be quite useful. They're useful for practicing functional language, which students need and for vocabulary and for grammar and everything. Uh, but having two students spend five minutes um, reading a dialogue between them, that's not, first of all, it's not real communication and it's not interesting. No, so is there a way not. you can make that real and make it play? So I talked before about play, about pretend play. You can make a role play into a whole pretend play scenario. So mm -hmm. you can set up the classroom in a way where they can play at whatever it is. Restaurants. So if, it, if it's something like restaurants or shops, it's really easy. And you could do this with three-year-olds and with 12 year olds, it, it's it's the same thing. I mean, I've done shopping projects and cafe projects and things with my uh, older primary learners. And they it's been a whole project where they've, um, they've created a shop, for example, clothes shops, we do clothes, for example, and they've, they've, I hope uh, they were second hand. Well, we didn't act, we use actual real clothes, <laughs> no, I don't think, but um, but you could do so. Like, so it's about making things real. They create a shop. They decide what type of clothes they're going to be in that shop. They decide um, the prices, the the name of the shop, a whole a load of things, and they um, create these kind of props, if you like, and set up the classroom. It's all in preparation for uh, a role play, and I I'm doing the whole commas inverted so commas bunny in ears, everybody. i don't see bunny that role play it's not role play because there aren't specific roles it's okay. pretend play so that's one way um and just experiential learning in general i think so um i know you do this uh with your classes at, at the ones you teach in your home um so things like cooking or building something or a science experiment all of these yeah. kind of things which provide a purpose for using language they also provide a purpose for learning specific language whether that's vocabulary or structures um so for me as i said before obviously real life learning exploration experimentation all of these things um i think are important and for me these are key components of an inclusive classroom um which was also in the title of this show i think or was it no it wasn't we put oh, primary wasn't. instead of inclusive oh i changed it we primary but <laughs> what is an inclusive classroom then michelle why don't you why don't you tell our listeners our listeners what an inclusive classroom is I don't think there is a, a, a definition of an inclusive classroom. An inclusive classroom is where everybody feels that they belong, basically. Fantastic. Um, what at the beginning I I mentioned um, emotions and relationships, mm -hmm. and because I think that's probably the single most important thing in a classroom, and it's it's very high up on my list of how to be inclusive in the classroom. So that aspect of community and relationships that we foster in the classroom, uh, because they play a huge part in 
a child's attitude, first of all, towards their English lessons, which you also mentioned as well. Now, we talked about how children need to want to go to their English classes. Absolutely. But it also plays a part in how much they learn. Um, yeah. So it, it, it really, really does. Um, now, I remember at your, your talk at IATEFL, it was, it was quite eye-opening for me. Um, literally when I act, when you know it wasn't too hot in the room but it was fantastic because you know I've when it came to you know an inclusive classroom beforehand now I've learned a lot over the last year or so mostly from from guests here on Teachers Talk Radio you know, people like Tyson Seaver and, and stuff like that and that was your session was really eye-opening because it, it showed me a lot about like neurodiversity that I just hadn't really thought about as being an inclusive classroom, as it were, you know, you kind of think individual student, oh, well, this, this student might be neurodiverse or that student might be, and I wouldn't, I didn't kind of put it all together as being as a neurodiverse classroom, as, a, as an inclusive classroom. I, I thought it was usually people who were, you know, a, who were seen as minorities in certain respects would had to be included, but I, I didn't think that much about that, whereas now I actually do. Um, and I look for signs of um, neurodiverse, learner, neurodiverse learners in my classes, and I try and include ways for neurodiverse learners to learn within my materials, within the scope that I'm allowed to put anything in there. Because something I learned from, from Martin Bloomfield, and that was you know, a, a dyslexic learner learns in a very different way um, and you may have to alter your approach for them but people who aren't dyslexic will still learn the same way as the dyslexic learner is learning so you're not actually excluding anybody in doing that you are just including them and being more inclusive yeah i mean i think it's for me for being a teacher to be inclusive you just need to be flexible and open to changing things mm -hmm. and it's almost like having a change in mindset i think because you know teachers often we do things in a certain way because we've always done it like that or because that's how we were taught when we did teacher training and uh but that doesn't mean that this one way that you do things is the right way or that is the right way for everyone so so it's it's just first of all it's being aware of that that what you do might not be working for everyone <laughs> so that's that's one of the things that i try to get people to think about on my course um that i ran in october an introduction to inclusive approaches it was to start with i wanted to encourage the teachers to think about what they do and then to help them find ways of making their classroom like a more inviting place for for their learners uh, for their learners though not this so none of this and nothing i don't think you can do anything really uh in inclusion training that has specific answers or specific things that you can do because you can't use broad strokes, can you? No. You can't say this is how you do it for this. It has to be has to be tailored by the individual teacher. 
so you can obviously there's specific there, there are you know strategies and things that you can you can try uh, with different learners but you need to try them with your learners it's mm-hmm. not that oh so as you said before you mentioned before dyslexic students or so, so maybe you you read about um a, a technique or a strategy that works uh better with dyslexic learners but it might not work with your learners or your dyslexic learners so it's about that really is there is no one size fits all which we love that phrase in in tefl as well absolutely um, we do uh, i think it's true for everything that we do so even though it, i might uh uh share some tips for 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 teaching learners um and i might think that an idea is brilliant uh, but it might not work for you or for somebody else. So it's about exploring different possibilities, about rethinking what we do in the classroom and then trying these things out and then reflecting on them. I think that's one of the, the big keys there that you mentioned at the end, the uh, the reflecting on them. And it's something a lot of teachers don't feel that they really have a lot of time to do. Now, I always, at the end of my, my classes, I, I, I just jot a few things down about what happened, just so I remember it there in the moment, and then I can go back to it and look at it. Or if something happens in the class at a specific time, then, you know, I note it down, you know, just any like tells or or if a student's particularly unimpressed by something, or, you know, particular student isn't feeling great that day, you know, and and then I'll ask the parents if something maybe had happened. Or for example, the other day, one of my students who's usually incredibly happy was really grumpy. And I asked what was up and she didn't, she didn't tell me what was up. So I asked her mum afterwards and she said, oh, well, she didn't like the food in the, in the comedor, in the dining room at school. So she didn't eat it. So she got to your class at five o'clock and she was starving. And after class, she had gymnastics and she just wanted to eat some biscuits. And rather than asking to eat the biscuits, she just didn't say anything. So she just sat there getting angrier and angrier. And I was, I was getting quite worried about it, but. Apparently she was just hungry, so. Um, but it's about <laughs> it's it's about you know noticing and reflecting on that and communicating with parents. I think is so vital at primary level. Um, quite often, as as TEFL teachers or as as parents as well, we kind of we let our kids go off to school, and we're like, well, someone else's problem now. I can go to work, and then you know when they come home, they can tell me what happened or forget what happened. And there's that communication that's just missing. And I think it's so important um, with primary learners to, to have that link with parents. Definitely, definitely. And and also, so you, you talked about, uh, as well as communication, it's that idea of um, being aware of students feelings and emotions and just being aware that they are uh, people with lives outside of your classroom and that Mm -hmm. there are so many things that can affect how they are in the classroom and how they behave and how well they learn and so many other things so that the girl who didn't eat her biscuits you know um, it's really hard to concentrate and to learn and to be happy if you're hungry she could have eaten the biscuits i have no problem with biscuit eating in my class all you got to do is ask me to eat your biscuits and i've got no problem with it but she was too like because in school obviously they're not allowed to eat in class she just didn't think of saying anything so as soon as she left the class she was like opened her biscuits and was frantically shoveling <laughs> down her face so 
Um, but she could have, like, I would have had absolutely no problem with it whatsoever. Um, but yeah, it's... It's about empathising as yeah. well. So, I mean, I've been guilty of this as well. So, I, I mean, I remember a class that I was teaching a few years ago and it was on a Tuesday and Thursday afternoon and that those days these children were at school until five o'clock mm-hmm. and then they had English. So they'd been at school since all nine day. o'clock all day, uh, most of it sitting down at a desk. Um, they had 15 minutes between when the bell rang for the end of the day and before my class started. Um, some of them would go and uh, play football. These were, I think they were seven-year-olds. And they had 15 minutes to go and play football, to eat their sandwich, uh, their merienda, and uh, to come to class. And uh, you can imagine how Oof. difficult that class was. Especially it as it's like really Tefl fun as well. So like it is a fun class. It's not the same as their normal classes. It must have been rebelde. <laughs> Yeah, so it wasn't fun in the sense that uh, in my <laughs> so no. my class wasn't going to be loads of fun and games, as you can probably tell from what I said earlier. But uh, but yeah, for them it wasn't a real school, even though it was in the school building, the same building, but it, in the in the the school itself. But it wasn't yeah, it wasn't their school part of their school day. Uh, it was really hard, and I. I w- probably didn't empathise enough with those children. I probably didn't think about really how they were feeling after being at school for all those hours, learning, heads down, um, and then, you know, coming out, having a run around, being really sweaty, thirsty, not having time to finish their sandwich and play football. And, you know, the priority was play football with a friend. They're seven years old. so yeah, it, if I'd you know looking back at it now, I uh, that situation, I think well, you know, I I I needed to think about it and and just uh, maybe take a different approach to that class. Start the class out in the football field instead. Um, <laughs> could have been a good idea. Yeah, I I used to always at the start of the class, you know, one of the routines would be, okay, ask your your classmate, how are you today? How are you today? They go on, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. Everyone's I'm happy because that's what they knew. Um, but instead what we do now is, you know, those the image of the cats. There's the nine different cats who all have a different feeling, basically. You know, one's got a ah, face and they're all different cats, basically. They're experiencing different emotions. And I ask them as they come in to just show me which cat they are that day. I just point it on the thing and say, ah, oh, so you're confused today or ah, oh, you're you're angry today. Oh, you're... But I ask them to show me on that rather than getting them to go around in circles and tell each other they're happy because, you know, it's a bit of a, you know, when you ask a British person, how are you? Oh, I'm all right. Yeah. Okay. Your legs have fallen off. Yeah, I'm all right. It's fine. No problem. Um, so, yeah. Right. We're yeah, going to shoot is... off. Oh, sorry. Go... I was going to say, we're going to shoot off for about a minute or so, but I want you to finish your thought first. Okay, no, I was just going to say this is something that I often talk about as well, is about providing um, tools for students who don't have the language to be able to express their feelings, because it's really important that they can express their feelings in the classroom. 
100%. So yeah, it, it isn't just about teaching them five different emotions, but let them see what the emotions are so they can, you know, share their ideas with the with the class. Anyway, I, I almost interrupted you there. I am going to carry on now. We will be back in about 96 seconds. So don't go anywhere, anybody. Um, I'm going to mute you again, uh, Michelle, just because I know you're going to start singing Adele or something like that. Um, so I'm going to mute you. I'm going to mute myself as well. And we'll be back very shortly. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And- it is not Teachers Talk Radio news again, I'm afraid. Um, I'm interrupting that for you there. I was scrambling for the mute button while I was trying to put my phone on charge at the same time. Sadly, I only have two hands. So Michelle is going to unmute herself now. Um, She knows where the button is, so she's fully prepared. Now, I want to go way back, Michelle. I'm going to go all the way back to 2012, which was 10 whole years ago. Um, I imagine your your ideas and your opinion on on teaching has probably changed somewhat since then. Um, Mine certainly has. Mine's certainly evolved. uh, an awful lot and I'm not the same teacher I was 10 years ago but we met 10 years ago uh, at, at Athea in 2012 and then in 2013 I did my my, my first ever talk at Tefl del Sur which uh, which is now something that's coming up very very soon is it not would, would you like to share with our listeners anything <laughs> about that so yes, thank you for reminding me because that's this Saturday. Uh, Tefal Azul is a is a local teachers association that we have here in Cadiz, uh, in the Cadiz province in the south of Spain. So um, this was set up, I think, about ten years ago, or maybe a bit more, by uh, Teresa Bestwick. Who I'm, has she been on on this? She has. She she re- she rejected me. Oh, but no. I'm sure I'm sure she'll come on um, at some point. She rejected me in the very early days. So right. Okay. So I'll get te- her back on. Um, T is now uh, involved in a in a Facebook group called the Tefl Development Hub. But she started. Uh, she founded Tefl Um And we we don't 
really do very much in terms of you know teaching associations like they would normally do what we do is we have three events per year uh saturday mornings um but it's lovely it's a lovely atmosphere we usually have some uh fantastic uh speakers uh <laughs> sometimes uh, some very average your, ones as well such as yourself this saturday <laughs> uh, but we try to make it a bit more i don't know relaxed um informal um we like to foster discussion um and just there's a quite a big uh social aspect to it as well so it's not like a typical conference uh so yes as you mentioned before on saturday we have our first event in nearly three years uh because we haven't been doing online um professional development uh during the pandemic we decided that there was enough out there already um so yeah really excited about that uh seeing people again face to face in the flesh and just having that chance to talk about things chat about what we're doing about our ideas um and uh developing professionally i i can't wait um i'm very excited to to see the cadith crew um on a on a, a slightly more uh informal uh on a slightly more informal basis as you mentioned but also slightly more intimate because you know the last times i've i've seen yourself or, or simon it's been at a conference when it's like a stolen two minutes here or there to talk about something very briefly so it's going to be nice i'm looking forward to it um but yeah as you say they do often have some very good speakers and occasionally they have me as well so uh <laughs> <laughs> it should be fun um I'm, I am very much looking forward to that. So you mentioned very briefly your your course beforehand. Um, are you going to be running more courses for for other for, for TEFL EOT professionals to jump on board with? I am. Uh, I I am planning to. Uh, so in fact, that course, the inquire uh, the um, the introduction to inclusive approaches, I'm planning on running it again after Christmas, probably in February. Uh, but I'm also planning. Uh, I, I was I was going to say totally different course, but it isn't totally different. Um, I'm planning a course in inquiry based learning which is actually one of the approaches that I actually that I talk about in my course an introduction to inclusive approaches so you can see it's kind of related in that sense um so um I can't really uh, share much about the course itself because it's still uh going to be a long way away um because it's going to take me a long time to develop um, as it should Yes. When it comes exactly. to training courses, these shouldn't be things that we can churn out in in two minutes. No matter what internet adverts tell you that you know you can go from oh I went from having no course to a course in seventy two hours and now I'm a multimillionaire. That's probably not a very good course, then, mate. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm hoping it's going to be quite a comprehensive course that will take people who uh have no knowledge of inquiry-based learning through to being able to implement it into their own context so uh earlier i talked about bringing the real world into the classroom about making learning real about experiential learning and all of those things 
and I uh, I think uh, an approach like inquiry-based learning, which is similar to project-based learning, um, it's kind of like the um, less famous cousin of project-based learning. <laughs> I think it's slowly um, getting more famous, but very yeah, slowly, but it I is, mean, it's definitely not PBL level. No, yeah, okay. So, I mean, really, to be honest, uh, inquiry-based learning could even be a part of project-based learning, and they follow the same kind of structure, uh, but it's a learner-centered approach. And uh, before we talked about engagement and how to get students engaged, and the best way of doing that is by making sure that they're fully involved and that they can, they are part of the decision-making process, that they're part of everything, really. Um, so that's what a learner Are you sure it isn't to... just writing their name on the board? It's not writing their name on the board. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, in in its kind of ideal form, it would be where a student uh, chooses something that they're interested in and then works on that. But of course, in ELT, that's a little bit more tricky because we have lots of uh, learning objectives and, you know, we've got our certain vocabulary and structures and different, you know, functional language and pronunciation and skills and all these kind of things that we need to make sure that we, I don't want to say cover because I hate that word, but that we include over the course of the year. Um, so this is, uh, this is kind of where I come in, actually, <laughs> uh, because inquiry-based learning is used a lot in schools, in mainstream schools, especially in the United States, um, and it's not really used much in ELT, and I think that that's a shame, and um, I think we can take an approach like this where uh, we have a topic and we find out what students want to know about that topic and then we help them um, investigate that topic and work towards finding answers to their real questions. So <laughs> go back to that real, they're real questions. They're not these questions that we ask in the classroom that we already know the answers to. Um, it's real questions and, and I think we can use this. And so as well as the course, which as I said, is gonna take a long time, I think for me to produce, um, I'm also working on uh, some resources that will help teachers uh, use this approach in their classroom. It's brilliant. Uh, because I think it's really quite hard to, you know, when somebody says, oh, uh, I want to try out a new approach, I want to try out new things in the classroom, but I don't really know how to do it. Mm -hmm. It's hard, isn't it? It really is. And really a lot is. of the time when we, we, we stay with the status quo, when uh, I said before, we, we carry on doing what we've always done just because we've always done it. It's really hard to take that step to change something. Um, so what I want to do is to help teachers make that change, basically, by providing them with uh, kind of a framework, um, a series of steps that they can go through um, and ideas for how they can develop an inquiry or a project in their in their classroom. It's fantastic. I mean, it's it's part of, we talk, I mentioned earlier engage with one of the sessions I do, which includes 
engage, empower, and enact. And empower is all about like the literally the first part of empower is student led. Like you know, it is. So we, when it comes to sustainability, when it comes to cultivating change makers, developing people to to go out there and make a difference, it's helping them find that passion that they're involved in, that they want to get involved in, and then them taking the lead on it. Um, and as a as a teacher, you're there for guidance, you're there for support, but you're not there as the leader. You're not there that says, you know, you're not giving them a project model exactly. You're not saying you have to have exactly this by the end. You know, I don't know. So you're that my teenagers might be interested in fast fashion and the damage that fast fashion causes to the planet well then they'll go away they don't want to give a presentation so perhaps you say well maybe make a podcast style activity and kind of guide them but certainly not be the person who pushes them and it sounds like this is a very similar kind of thing yeah, as I said before, is fle- flexibility is one of the key kind of um, principles that I I think we need to have in the classroom. And that flexibility is for everything. It's for you as a teacher about being able to change things when necessary, but it's also about offering flexibility in what the students do as well. So if you can, uh, with, with an approach such as inquiry-based learning, um, you're not saying at the beginning, this is where you're going to end up. Um, You're saying, these are our questions. Let's see where they go. And I'm going to give you the language that you need to be able to do that. And I can guide you. And I can also guide you towards using certain language if I want to, uh, Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, we are English teachers. Um, But what you f- find out and the answers that you you get at the end i don't know what they are in advance and then you can choose how you then present that to everybody else so like you said they might want to make a podcast episode or a video or, uh, or a poster or... or a poster or there's lots of different formats that um the presentation stage could take and it's about offering them that flexibility. Also flexibility in terms of group dynamics, because going back to the inclusive classroom, some students are happy to work in groups. Some students find it impossible to work in groups. It, it doesn't you know, work for them. Um, having that flexibility as a teacher where, okay, well, some of you can work in a group, some of you can, work on your own some of you can do maybe this part of the project of the inquiry on your own yeah. you want to do this on your own well you can go and find the information you and then you can share it in whatever way you want with your group you don't have to sit there in the classroom talking to them maybe you can send it by i don't know not whatsapp if they're in primary but you know there could be some kind of digital way of sharing the information if you don't feel happy or they can even write it down and give it to them in class exactly. like if they don't want to sit there and say about it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we need to foster, you know, all the skills. Um, but it's about, you know, just being aware that some students might not be uh, or be happy or even learn uh, as well in, in different activities. So um, giving them that choice of being able to do things in a different way, I think is always going to be uh, beneficial. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that, like you say, the the whole making them sit in a group and making them, you know, do this, that, and the other. And then at the end of it, they have to give the presentation. They all have to stand up. They all have to do that. To me, that just seems so Dickensian almost. It's so old school <laughs> that at the end of this project, you're, you've all got each of you has a section. You're all going to get out there. You're all going to learn those words. You're going to read those words. And then that's it. And it doesn't feel like in that kind of presentation that a student's necessarily going to take any language on board for a start or actually learn anything from the whole process because you know they they've just been forced to learn that sentence and or those few phrases and that's all that they're going to get from it yeah and does everybody have to do the same thing at the same exactly. time is that absolutely necessary we kind of in the classroom we we kind of think oh yeah so now we're going to do pair work and now we're going to do you know heads down work and now we're going to do this and but uh does it have to be that everybody's doing the same type of thing at the same time i don't think it does it makes it not easier always for the, it makes definitely it makes it easier, easier for, for the teacher, teacher. Yeah. um and uh you know i kind of question that is what what's easier for the teacher best i mean obviously we have to be realistic exactly exactly um, there, there are days when you know when you just can't you know you just can't and it's like today is a day when there's going to be book work because today is a day when i just i can't even deal with anything so like there will be <laughs> days like that and it is going to happen you know not every class is always going to be perfect we can't be perfect every class um in fact we probably can't be perfect any class but we can at least put the effort in don't get me wrong i'm not saying there aren't days when you can completely check out and not put the effort in because it's going to happen you know let think about people who work in offices they go to work every single day in an office and there are days when they don't do very much they try and drink as many hot chocolates as they can from the free coffee machine that definitely wasn't me um 13 it's exactly day. the same as a freelancer so yeah, you know what exactly. it's like some days we'll get so much work done and other days will be will be different but um you know as a teacher obviously the same thing can happen to you but also to your students and that's what you have to remember exactly that exactly that you beat me to the point now <laughs> I was going to say we're all human, but as are our students, they are also absolutely 100% human. And we need to, you know, keep that in mind forever. Um, every single class, you know, it's, it's a fresh day for a different person who could have a different issue to the day before. And particularly when you're dealing with primary age learners, that problem might not really seem like a problem to you. You know, they lost a Pokemon card. Well, to you, that might seem like absolutely nothing, but to them, it's the world. Or um, today, for example, in my class, there's a, a, a guy in third grade, Abel, his name, and and he was so excited that tomorrow he's got a birthday party. And I was like, oh, it's your birthday tomorrow? And he's like, no, no, I'm going to Santiago's birthday party. And old me would definitely have just been like, okay, like, so but 
you know, for the last few years, those moments of stopping and listening to the students and listening to those moments that they're so excited about is so important because that is what's real to them. And in the next class, when I see them on Wednesday, uh, on Monday, sorry, um, the first thing we're going to talk about is going to be Santi's party. And they're going to care about talking about that because it's a real thing that really happened to them that they are absolutely, you know, going to be excited to talk about or they would have forgotten about it altogether, which is also well, another thing. True. But, you know, yeah. that's that also goes back to the idea of teaching students the language that they need to be able to communicate whatever it is. So those kids who are going to that birthday party and are excited about it, uh, that's the moment when you want to be teaching them some language related to birthday yeah. parties or, or or maybe even verbs in the past simple so that next week they can come back and <laughs> oh don't worry we, we but, do you know, have um, we do have three verbs in the past that they know which is which are <laughs> useful so they're, they're they're doing all right there but yeah it's about making the language that they're learning meaningful you know it's a yeah. language we use it to talk about things to communicate with people so so yes take those opportunities for emergent language and uh don't just teach what the vocabulary that's in the book the six words that are on the page at the beginning of the unit oh. that's <laughs> oh. that's what, how i feel anyway but no um, don't get me wrong they're going to be important if there's an end of unit exam for the students to do um absolutely there will be but oh, that's oh, so so infuriating, uh, particularly when you're teaching like animals or something like that, like and you get the same six animals or four animal body parts, and you're like, okay, but you know what about the claws? You know, anyway, it's uh, you know, there's so many interesting animals. Yeah, that they really are the black-footed uh... ferret, for example. <laughs> Ocelots, I love ocelots. Ocelots, you know, yeah. Um, and, you know, photographs of these amazing and weird animals um, and things, you know, just uh, taking um, taking the lesson off the page a bit as well. So even if you do have to use a course book, and I write course books, so I'm not all anti-course book. Um, I just think you can go about things in a different way. Uh, you can take it off the page. You can bring in more and extend um, and just, you know, make things a bit more connected with the real world. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the, the kind of the key really, isn't it? Um, we, we did have a, a, a call from Ashik asking to call in, but I'm afraid, Ashik, we've only got about three minutes left. So um, I fear if you do come on, we won't have time to answer your question properly. But do feel free to, to if you want to type it quickly in the chat or if you want to send us an email or, or join us on, on Twitter, then we'll probably be able to answer your question a bit better than than uh, these last couple of minutes because I'm, I'm wary of time that we do have to, to move on because there is another show waiting in the wings. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so... I am going to ask you to very briefly, I'm not going to throw any surprise questions on you, Michelle, because <laughs> I know you well enough. I know you I know you well enough not to do that. And um, I'm not going to throw you under the bus like that. You know uh, me I, like one of your students. You know, that's what we need to know, these things, no? Are they exactly. comfortable answering surprise questions? No. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Um, 
Um, I, I was just going to ask you very briefly if for, for a teacher that's looking at um, inquiry based learning, um, what is a good starting point for them? Um, go to my website. <laughs> and what is your website, Michelle? MichelleWorgan.com. Um, there's uh, go to my website in a couple of weeks time, preferably because um, I still don't have any uh, resources up there, but there will be and I'm planning over the next few months to uh, upload a few things and the packs will have uh, a, a, an introduction, a, quite a long section at the beginning explaining pretty much the basics um, and with practical ideas on how you can um, implement uh, this in your classroom so yeah over the next uh, few weeks i hope to uh start uploading these packs and uh, making them available for for teachers around the world amazing and should they also sign up to your newsletter they can sign up to my newsletter if they want to yes um again you can do that on my website michellewargan.com and that um, will be in the description box below, don't okay. worry, um, for, the, for the millions just, of downloads. If you do sign up to my newsletter, you'll just get one email per week maximum. Can't promise it will be every week. Sometimes I, I, I don't send one out. And I usually just uh, um, tell you some funny stories about my, something that's happened to me in the week. Um, uh, and, but it's always related to inclusion in some way. Amazing. Well, it's been a pleasure to, to finally get you on the show. Um, I'm, I'm glad that, that you agreed. Uh, I know you did agree in the past, but I, I've, I've had to wait for this special moment. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's been, been really lovely. lots of fun. It, absolutely. And I'm very excited about seeing you um, on Saturday again, for the, which, it, which I think will be the third time since the pandemic, which is probably I've seen you more than anyone except my family since the pandemic and by my family i mean my immediate family who i live with um, so it's going to be great uh, i look forward to seeing you and thanks again for coming on thank you for having me um and thanks to everybody for listening i am away as i mentioned next week but i will be back in on the 7th i was speaking to ron moraine all about self-directed cpd oh hear you then this is teachers talk radio and you are listening live